Hey, fellow Mathers, before we get into this episode, we want to share with you how you can get access to free content, professional learning that will keep your students engaged and doing the math that matters. Get ready to go to this link, mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. That's right. Registration is open for the free Math is Figure Outable challenge that's starting May 15th and runs to the 17th at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to have three nights jam-packed with learning and routines that you can take straight to your classroom. In these challenges, we have a great time. We do some math, talk about classroom experiences, give away super cool bonuses and prizes. You won't just walk away with routines that are naturally engaging and encourage your students to think mathematically. You'll also have a chance to win over 6 k worth in prizes, including a few virtual PD sessions for your school. I'll be joined by my wonderful co-host, Kim, and special guest, Jenna Labe. You can register at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge for a fantastic learning experience. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Now on to the show. Hey, fellow mathematicians. Welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam Harris. And I'm Kim Montague. And you have found a place where math is not about memorizing and mimicking, waiting to be told or shown what to do, but it is about sense-making and noticing patterns and reasoning using mathematical relationships. We can mentor students to think and reason like mathematicians do. Not only are algorithms not particularly helpful in teaching mathematics, but rotely repeating steps actually keep students from being the mathematicians they can be. Hey, Pam. Hey, Kim. It's our anniversary. (laughs) Happy anniversary! Three three years. Can you believe we've been doing this for three years? I mean, I know know we talked for a million hours for 20 years, but three years (laughs) of doing the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you, listeners. It's been super fun to do, and we are so grateful for you listening. So, Pam, you drug me along this journey. Uh, and I dug my heels in for quite some time, but I am so glad that you did. And I'm super happy to be doing this with you. Well, and I'm going to back at you. There's no way that I could have done it without your organization and shall we say prodding, (laughs) um, because once you committed, then you're like, all right, then we're doing it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so I, uh, it's been, it's been a fantastic, um, partnership. It's been fun. Yeah. So uh, listeners, if you have learned something by listening to the podcast, we would absolutely love to hear from you. You can tag Pam in social media, leave a rating or comment on whatever platform that you listen to. It's not only super meaningful to us, uh, but it helps others as well. So listen, Pam, I have have an idea for today and I am going to (laughs) give you some topics. Uh, people, people sometimes say to us, like, where do I start? You have 150 something episodes. Like, where do I Mm -hmm. get people started? And so that's what we're going to do today. So everyone is telling you that it's about learning loss. I'm telling you that these are the things that if you get a handle on, they will transform your math class. So I picked some topics that I thought would be the quintessential Pam Harris Math is figureoutable. You got to know this. This is the thing. And okay, so I've set a timer on my phone. And I'm going to use some... <laughs> it's, I'm like speed, it's like a speed this, round. Yeah, this is speed round. And you get like a minute and 45 seconds. And I'm going to give you... A, okay. I'm, 
you you don't have you don't have long. So I'm gonna give you a thing, a topic, and okay. you get a little time, and then we're gonna point listeners to what's another place that they can go for more information. But if you are a brand new podcast listener, or even if you've been around a while, uh, this is this is your episode of what do you need to know? Okay. Okay, I'm, I gotta tell you, I'm like, I've, I've, I've assumed the stance. Like, I feel like I'm about to like serve a volleyball or shoot my free throw, or like I'm I'm, I'm bouncing a little. I got my weight evenly yep. distributed. I'm, I'm shaking it off. I got you know, stretched my neck a little bit. Okay, I'm good. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, all right. Your first topic <laughs> mm. is the development of mathematical reasoning. Go, bam. So it is so important that we realize the trap of the algorithms are that we, they don't help us develop reasoning. They keep us mimicking steps. And so if we realize that mathematicians think in this very sophisticated way, and there are there is a hierarchy of reasonings that build toward that, it's not about memorizing a bunch of skills and, and rote memorizing sort of the basics so then you can magically one day do what mathematicians do. It's actually about creating relationships and connections in students' brains first so that they are solving problems using counting strategies. But as soon as they can count and solve problems using counting strategies, we've got to build their additive reasoning. And we have to help them think in terms of bigger jumps than one at a time. And then we have to go from additive reasoning to multiplicative reasoning and help students, help all of us, think in terms of bigger chunks than one group at a time. That's thinking multiplicatively. And then we have to build their proportional reasoning where we have a quantities varying in tandem. They're related and varying in tandem when we have to be able to scale two or more quantities that are related and, and they're, and they're um, scaling multiplicatively. And then if we want to build from there, then we want to build functional reasoning, which is a huge well, I don't have time to describe functional reasoning, where we really want students thinking and reasoning about relations and functions and graphs and transformations. We have to build on that. And so if we don't build those kinds of reasonings and all we get are students getting answers to particular questions, if students are just getting an answer to a multiplication or division question, that's, it. <laughs> there's my that's all you get. No, I'm, I'm not playing. You get, you get like a short amount of time, but here's the thing. Okay. We've yeah. talked about this, these topics, right? So mm. if, if, if you listener want to know what the end of that sentence is, and if you want to know more <laughs> about Pam's development of mathematical reasoning, I urge you to check out episodes five and six and 67 and 68, because it's a huge topic and super important. All right, Pam, deep breath. Yeah, I'm shaking my head. Okay, shake it off. Okay. All right. A huge, huge topic, strategies versus models. Go. Go. So strategies are the way that you mess with the relationships in the problem, the way you tinker the intuition about how to attack the problem first, the way that you're going to use the relationships to reason through the problem. The model is the way you make that thinking visible. It's the tool you use to, to um, help you keep track of what you're doing or to see the relationships so you kind of know how to attack next. We need to be clear about the differences between these two. Because when we are muddy as teachers, then students are muddy. Um, students don't actually need to be so clear on this. Teachers need to be clear. Where do you see this arise? When students say something like, mm, I did a number line. Yeah. That's a model. And what we need to then follow with is, how did you use a number line? Where did you jump? Just the other day, I worked with um, teachers from Australia. And I said, how did you solve it? And the teacher said, I did the jump strategy. 
And I said, so you jumped on a number line. Yeah, I did the jump strategy. And I said, so that's a model. What did you do on the number line? What relation? She said, oh, well, I got to the 30. And I'm like, oh, so you got to a friendly number. That's a, that's a, a relationship that is the strategy of getting to a friendly number and then adding the rest. If a student says, I did an area model, then your job as a teacher is to be clear, that's a model. What did you do in the area model? And this, we see this confusion come up in things like the area model, where teachers have said, oh, this is a new strategy. All right, everybody, ready? Draw into, draw a square. What's the word? Divide it into four sections, and then always split the numbers by place value. Always do partial products by place value. That's it. That's all you got. But, but we, want them to, we want to chunk the area in more efficient ways so that they're reasoning multiplicatively. Okay. The end. <laughs> um, th- this is hard, right? This is hard. These are big topics. So for more about strategies versus models, uh, check out episode number nine. It's kind of an early one because it was super important to get out there. All right. Absolutely. Take a deep All breath. Right. Okay. This, is, this, this one's going to be tough because it's massive as well. (laughs) Uh, Algorithms are not the end goal. Go. We have traditionally seen mathematics education as we want kids to get answers. And so what do we do? We how do we get an addition answer? We do this algorithm. How do we solve the quadratic equation? We use this formula. We we, um, maybe divide it into two linear binomials. We set them equal to zero. We use a zero product property, but we tell kids, this is what you do. Yep. When we do that, we get kids who can perform steps and get answers, but they're not building their reasoning. My question or my mandate then is to say, if it's not about algorithms, then what is it? And I think this yep. is what I add to the work of mathematics education. There's many people out there that are saying, yeah, I hope the kids get conceptual understanding because then the end is the algorithm. And I'm saying yes. the end the end is not the algorithm. But then we have to answer the question, what is the end? And so yep. I, through my study, I have um, suggested to the world that there are these major strategies that kids need to develop based on these major relationships and those are the end goal. Just this morning, I was speaking with a teacher in Germany who said, um, you know, they've been doing this great work in second grade and third grade. We're kind of concerned about what the fourth grade teacher is going to say. And I said, well, honestly, I got I to gotta be clear with you. I'm kind of concerned a little bit about what you're doing in second, third grade, because I, I've talked to these two teachers well enough to know they're doing good work getting kids to think, but they also don't own yet the major strategies that they need to own for second and third grade. What does that mean? It means their kids are muddy. They're, that you might have a kid, I shouldn't say muddy. Uh, let me cl- clarify that. You might have a student who's doing decent work. You might have a student who's doing decent work, but they're only using one of the major strategies and a different student's using a different major strategy. I need that one kid to own them all four of the major strategies, at least well enough that next year that teacher can build from there. Or they're going to hit problems where that one strategy they own won't be good enough and then it will fail. So we need to, we need to own those major ones. <gasps> okay, I'm done. <laughs> I feel like I need a second timer. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, like all right. Seven seconds over. Okay. All right. Um, so <laughs> algorithms are not your goal and we would suggest they shouldn't be anybody's. You can hear more about that in episode two. And then we actually revisited this topic because We wanted to give people a picture of if not algorithms, then what? And you can check out episodes 94 through 99, where we talk about the major strategies for each operation. That's 
maybe I'll kind of say about that. Mim- mimicking algorithms is not the end goal. Okay, go ahead. Right, right. All right. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Something also very quintessential, Pam Harris, is the topic of perspectives and what that brings to the table. Go. Damn, I'm, I'm going to start talking before you say go. <laughs> so I think one of the reasons that the conversation that we're having in math education today is so confusing is because we have different perspectives. And when we communicate, not understanding each other's perspectives, we talk past each other and we miscommunicate and we're having arguments using terms that we're defining differently. And so I think it's super important to realize that there are people out there who who believed, who bought into the myth that math is a disconnected set of facts to memorize and rules and procedures to mimic. And the answer is all important. And therefore they teach that way. And so when we have conversations about conceptual understanding, they say, I mean, sure, we could do some work, but do we have to waste time? Like our goal is to get them to mimic this stuff and rote memorize this stuff. Let's just sing some songs, get them to rote memorize the facts. And then I'm going to tell some stories so they can mimic the procedures. They're getting answers, move them on. I'm not, I don't want to waste time doing this other stuff. And I think that is completely understandable. If their perspective is that's Mm -hmm. the definition of math. Mm -hmm. I think we have a different group of people who was always sort of clear that they could use relationships in their mind to solve problems. They were always kind of mathing, but the way they were taught, it seems they were taught the way those other teachers were thinking about math and somehow they were able to see through that rote memorization and create relationships. Therefore they think that is the way to teach and teach the way they were taught. And if you have the math gene, you'll do what they did. And if not, well, it stinks to be you and you're just going to have to like follow the rules to that um, perspective. I say, no, we can all do that. We just have to know it's a thing. So if um, we can understand those different perspectives, we can all teach real math. <sighs> well, that's hard. This is hard, Kim. I, I'm impressed though, because you're totally on the fly right now. I'm gonna have to go like uh, to a spa afterwards and get a massage I mean, and listen. take a, like a hot bath, like relax um, after. The, woo. Okay, I can. Do well, it. so yeah. listeners, this this is not there. There is no script for this. Pam is like, go <laughs> for a, a, a minute forty. So uh, I'm impressed. Okay, uh, Pam. This one's Wait, tell, me, tell me episodes. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, pers- oh, for, for more about the perspectives. 24 mm-hmm. through 28. Episodes 24 through 28. Um, we also have a quiz. You can hear me talk so, about those slower there. I'll talk slower yeah. about those episodes. And, and okay. actually, each perspective got their own episode. And if you are curious about which perspective that you formerly had, but you're moving into real math perspective, you can take our quiz that's in the show notes. Uh, okay. Go. Okay, the next one, Pam. If you can get it in uh, before the timer goes off, I'll owe you. I can do it. I can do it. Some ice cream because it's not going to happen. The next one is <laughs> problem strings. Go. Problem strings <laughs> are an ins- uh, it's an instructional routine. So it is a way of teaching. It's not the only way of teaching, but it's a super helpful, important way of teaching. That is, uh, we get from the the Netherlands. The Freudenthal Institute did a lot of work with it. There's a lot of research that came out of schools of thought in Great Britain about variation tasks, where basically we start with a problem and then we vary the next problems in very certain ways to put patterns up in front of students and allow them to grapple with the relationships and use the patterns and connections that they're seeing and making for the next problem and then refine their thinking for the next problem. 
And so it's, it's not about, it feels maybe a little bit like a number talk or what I would call a problem talk, but it's a sequence of problems where the sequence matters, where the conversation in between each problem matters. You can't give a problem string to a kid and say, go and learn it on your own. Most of the time, most of the time you have to say, here's the first problem. Everybody solve it. Let's have conversation, make thinking visible, maybe compare strategies. Next problem, do it however you think about it. Elicit those strategies out of students, make thinking visible, make connections between the problems. And by the end of the problem string, students are noticing and using a pattern that they might not have noticed and used before. So it's a very systematic, intentional purposeful sequence of problems with a very intentional conversation between the problems to build relationships and connections in students' heads so strategies become natural outcomes. <laughs> That's a problem well string. Done. Well done. <laughs> All right. More about problem strings can be found in episodes 33 and 71 and 72. Check that out. All right. We've, we have three more. Okay. Okay. I can do it. I can do it. The next really pulling important up my topic. Hair. Okay. The next important topic is everybody learns, everyone learns, everyone grows. Go. So this is my way of saying that all students can do more real math than fake math. Meaning that all students can reason at wherever they are, we can help them reason more sophisticatedly with the math from where they are. We can ask them questions and determine kind of what they own and then give them questions that are on the edge of their zone of proximal development and being the more knowledgeable other, we can give them questions that are just on that edge, make their thinking visible, and they can then grow from there. So sometimes people will say, give students uh, low floor, high ceiling tasks. And I say, but that doesn't mean that you give them a task that they can already do and that therefore they don't learn through. You want to give them a task just on the edge of their zone of proximal development. And you and the task needs to be open enough. It needs to be rich enough that, that it'll be on the edge of, of everyone's zone of proximal development in some way. So it's a rich enough task that students can uh, have to reach. And therefore, by that reaching, the, the, by that grappling with relationships, they actually create more connections, mental connections, so that their brains grow in sophistication. And so everybody learns and everybody grows. So I'm not the one that's looking for one outcome from a task. I'm not, okay, by the end of today, all students will blank because I don't think that's reasonable. Now I, I can say by the end of this task, all students will have grown. All students will now be thinking more sophisticatedly um, and in these ways, but I'm not looking for um, a specific outcome. I'm looking for growth of all students in that task. I did not do that one justice at all, Kim. Ah, okay, but, but here's the thing. Satisfied. The beautiful thing is they can listen to another episode. That's episode 39 for a full meal deal about that. <laughs> totally right, fine. Cool. 39. Go, all right. go here. All right, here we go. Resume. All right. Our mantra. Pamela, know your content, know your kids. Go. Ah, well, it's very sweet that you say uh, our mantra because it has become our mantra, but it started as yours. One day Kim said to me, Pam, it's, it's like, it's like everything we talk about can kind of be capsulated into these two, these two ideas. You got to know your content and you got to know your kids. And if you know content and you know your students well, 
then everything else follows from that. But you, we have to start with those two main pillars that, that you know the content, meaning you don't just sort of um, have a bunch of procedures and, and isolated facts at your grade level, but you know how to develop to get there because you're going to have students that aren't quite there yet. And you know how to develop from there the things that are coming on the horizon so that you can help students, um, you, you can start to open that horizon for them. But you also, I'll use a Kathy Fosno term here, you're not just looking vertically below you and above you content-wise, but you're also thinking deeply horizontally on that landscape of learning. You're also thinking about deepening connections and, and um, encouraging kids, uh, challenging students to make multiple connections to, to strengthen the, the way that they're thinking about um, certain things. So you've got to know your content. But then in that same vein, you've got to know your kids. So that uh, as you work with a student, you can give them questions right at the edge of their zone of proximal development. You can choose the problem string that's just right for your class because it allows all students access. Everyone will be able to dig in and grapple with something, but it will also stretch all students in some way. So you got to know your content, got to know your kids. Nice. <sighs> I'm feeling <great. laughs> I'm sweating. I'm sweating right now. I'm sweating. Oh my gosh. Okay. To hear more about Know Your Content, Know Your Kids, check out episode 74. All right. The last one that I have prepared is Do Say Represent. Go. Oh, golly. Huh. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, modeling, super tricky word. It has so many meanings. And it's been co-opted by so by by people to mean different things. When I don't think it means certain, I, I think it has like eight legitimate meanings in mathematics, and I think it has an, uh, at least one non-legitimate meaning that some people are using. So, what we would suggest, I could tell about, I I could tell you about all the knots. I'm going to spend my minute and a half I have left talking about the the do's, the what to do. We recommend that you give students problems on the edge of their zone of proximal development that they can grapple with. And then as they are doing that work, you pull out what they are doing in their heads. You elicit their thinking. You help them um, say what they're doing. So they're doing, they're grappling in their heads. You help them say, put words to what they're doing. And as you pull those words out and they get more clarity on what they're on the relationships they're using because they're having to put words to it, you and you're helping with that, then you represent their thinking and you make their thinking visible so that then it is point addable and discussable and comparable. So though the way to help students learn more and more math is to give them something worth chewing on, elicit that thinking. Helping help them sharpen that thinking by putting words to it, and then help them sharpen that thinking by making that thinking visible. It's y'all, it's the thinking they're doing. Make that thinking visible, and then you can compare and grow and point at and discuss and get even more sophisticated about that thinking. All right, uh, I got I got I got to end it with that was also Kim. Kim is the one that <laughs> said it's almost it's almost like there's things you can do. But you can say more than you can do, and you can represent more than you can say. And we've we've now taken that that sort of model of what you can do, say, and represent into that's actually the way we then want to help kids learn. Yeah, um, you're 
you're tired. Okay, we can do more than we I'm can I'm tired. Say. Do I sound tired? Did I just <laughs> no, say that you wrong? said it back. You said it backwards. We can definitely do more than we can say. We can say more than we can represent. You have just you're unloaded you said your it brain. Backwards? Yeah, it's okay. Holy cow. Okay. They're going to they're going to listen like... to episode 128 and and more about it. I All said right, what did I say you can say more than you can do? That's how I heard it. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> 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 we we do stuff. We we can all we we can do more than we can clearly say, and we can yeah. say more than we can. Then it's easy to represent, but it's yeah. also the okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes, are, I am tired. This is this is your opportunity. You get you get like one more one minute to tell us anything that you think the listeners need to know about the Mathis Figureoutable movement, or something I didn't that I didn't grab, or you can say something about what's next. Oh, okay. Nice. I'll just finish by saying we need to do more with this modeling thing that we kind of the last couple of things that we ended with yeah, um, yeah. The, the idea of making thinking visible. I'm clear that we need more on that. I've kind of spent my time spent uh, helping teachers rethink the way they think. So giving teachers the aha of, oh my gosh, I actually can think and reason about math. Oh, I, we actually can teach kids to that. Yeah. I, I've spent my time doing that and not as much time uh, putting work into helping teachers then, then know what to do next. Um, yep. And so that's kind of, that's the work to come, um, uh, especially the idea of modeling and how, how we can um, use making thinking visible to, to yeah. help kids learn more and more math. That's what's yeah. coming. So good. Uh, listeners, we thank you. We are so happy to have a place where we can grapple and word vomit and just like <laughs> wrestle with some ideas. We are super grateful for you for listening, for sharing, for giving us your ideas and for pushing back so that we also grow. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in and teaching more and more real math. To find out more about the Math is Figureoutable movement, visit mathisfigureoutable.com. Let's keep spreading the word that math is figureoutable. Thank you for listening and making math more figureoutable. To learn even more, make sure you register for our free challenge at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. You are not going to want to miss the evenings of May 15th through 17th, starting at 7 p.m. Central. Math teaching, math teaching, go register now. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Join us to make math more and more figureoutable. And if you can't join live, register and we'll send you access to the recordings. We'll see you there.